Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, we're back here again. This time it's just me and Alex, and we're going to be talking over some football stuff. This one's a football one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, let's. Um, I guess we should start off just with the um, the barbecue, which happened last week. Yeah, so obviously we, we talked about that quite a bit last time. Um, you know, it's one of the bigger recruiting weekends of the year. Um, and like certainly last year, it was maybe the biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it was a little less eventful. Um, but a lot of that has to do like that shouldn't be a super huge concern. Like a lot of it has to do with the fact that most of our class is just already in place, you know. So, yeah. I mean, we're sitting at 17 commitments now and we have like six or seven spots left in the class. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was only so much that could happen, and you know, with the guys that wound up showing up, like it just, you know, it wasn't going to be a huge day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did land one commitment. Uh, we got offensive tackle Stacy Wilkins. It's actually the first offensive tackle of the class, and you know, he's a four star from Arkansas. So, mm-hmm. you know, Arkansas is kind of a hard state to recruit in because they kind of, you know, most of them feed into just the pig suey thing yeah. you know and they wind up at arkansas so it's nice to get a win in, in that regard because i mean that was it was us in arkansas as the two finalists and mm-hmm. then, um you know so it was nice to get a win on the recruiting trail and stacy wilkins as a player just like the dude's like six seven like 280 85 pounds right now mm-hmm. and if you just look at him he looks super thin you know and so, like, physically not really ready. He's not going to come in as, like, a freshman and, like, play. But he's the kind of guy that he could get up to 330 pretty easily, I think, with his frame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is good to hear. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else really happen at the barbecue? Uh, I mean, uh, so, like, <laughs> the... There was kind of an interesting thing that happened between OU and Texas A&M with a defensive back recruit that Mm -hmm. was kind of expected to commit to OU on the day of the barbecue and then wound up visiting A&M the day before. And then the next day didn't make it up to the barbecue and because he said that his dad got a flat tire in his car. um, And then he wound up almost immediately after announcing that committing to A&M. So (laughs) it was kind of one of those, like he probably decided he was just going to commit to A&M and didn't really know how to tell OU he wasn't going to make it up or something. So, um, I mean, it's not a big, like a lot of people got really upset and obviously people did what they shouldn't when they, they decided to tweet at him because you should never do that. I will say, um, Carrie Cooks reacted particularly negatively towards it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was some subtweeting at Jeff Carter, and in all honesty, like I mean, I you know, I like Carrie Cooks overall. I think he's done a really good job, especially on the recruiting trail. Yeah, just kind of wish he wouldn't subtweet recruits, just because it's kind of you know it's a needless thing. It's you're not going to gain anything from it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Please don't be mad at high schoolers for yeah most things. Just, you know, this is like a 17-year-old kid. Let's not be upset right. that he <laughs> no, didn't handle no, it, this his college decision the way we wanted him to. Like Exactly. And it's not like the fate of our class was resting on this kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he was a he was a nice prospect that we really liked, but it's not like it was if we don't get him, our class is a bust, you know, like it, we have plenty of other options to turn to and we have plenty of time to turn to them. So, you know, kind of wish it had just been kind of a thing that we just left alone, but it is, it is what it is. Um, last thing about the barbecue is I guess like the president of the university, um, James Gallagly, Mm -hmm apparently participated in the water balloon fight. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So, super fun. Good old Jim. Well. He's a fun guy. Oh, jeez. 
We're going to find out how Jim is as a president in the next few years. It's going to be interesting. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so far, he does seem committed to the cause of getting recruits to come to OU. Mm-hmm. So in that very, very minor phase of being a college president, he is doing well. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, let's move off of that. Mm-hmm. Do we want to, let's see, do we want to talk about the weird Kyler Murray thing that sort of happened, or? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can do that. Okay. So, I guess, was it yesterday or two days ago? I guess it was two days ago that they talked to Lincoln Riley after one of the first practice. I think it might have been after the first practice, because... Yay, fall practice has started now. We're pretty much, the off season's pretty much over at this point. So that's yep. fun. Um, so let's, he's, they were asking Lincoln about, you know, Ky, being, being Kyler's only year. And he kind of just said, hey, this, I don't know for sure if this is his only year. You know, we're not really sure about that yet. He's like, I, and then he mentioned something like he hasn't taken, you know, obviously he hasn't taken part in any of the negotiations or whatever. So that got OU fans pretty excited about the idea because, you know, we're I mean, we're all excited to see him play this year. But it's also kind of a bummer to only to know you're only going to have a guy for a year, you know. Yeah. And so I got pretty excited. And then yesterday, um, Kyler's agent kind of spoke spoke out on it and just said, no, this is, this is Kyler's only year. Sorry guys. You know, so, which again, it's honestly kind of amazing. We're getting him for the year that we have him. So yeah, I'm just going to take it at this point, you know, which we should. It's also just hilarious that he has an agent. Like that is such a weird dynamic to introduce into a, like currently playing college football player. Yeah, I know. It, and it's just kind of wild, just the idea, because that is, you know, if you were, you know, obviously if you were going to the NFL, he wouldn't be able to have an agent. And, but since he's going to baseball, it like the whole system is just weird, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, you know, so I don't know. It's just kind of a weird little story um, that, and then obviously we haven't, you know, Lincoln Riley hasn't named a quarterback. He did say that he doesn't really have a timetable and he doesn't, he didn't really feel that. It seemed like he wasn't taking the question very seriously about when he would announce the quarterback. It was just something he's like, I'll do it when I do it, you know, like yeah. when I know, I know. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yep. Just going to wait and see. I mean, I, I do hope that we are correct about this quarterback battle not actually being a quarterback battle and Lincoln's just being coy. Um, but because I really don't want us to be in a situation where, like, the quarterback battle is, like, ongoing when we play FAU. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I can't imagine that. I think what Lincoln's really doing is that he just wants both guys to stay as prepared as possible, you yeah. know, because, you know, if you were to name Kyler today as the quarterback, you know, it might force Austin Kendall to really kind of reconsider, you know, what, how he's going to approach this season, how he's going to approach his career at OU. Yeah. Um, and then if he's going to also additionally, like if he names Kyler the quarterback, like he might just, you know, I mean, I don't think this would happen, but it, Kyler might not stay as sharp, you know, cause usually, you know, coaches use competition as a way to keep everybody at the top of their game. So yeah. I don't really think it's anything beyond that. And, I think we'll know probably in a couple weeks. You know, I think about midway through camp, they'll probably name the quarterback. And just everything that you see or hear, read, or anything like that, it it just seems like Kyler's the guy, you know? Okay, well, so that's the the deal with Kyler this week, um, which we talked about in the pre-show. We might just have to take a, like a, little bit of time every week to talk, just talk about where the Kyler situation is because it's just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously, I mean, it's the most important position on the team, 
Uh-huh. We're replacing the greatest quarterback in OU history, you know. So it's it's going to be a major storyline, you know, no matter how eventful or uneventful that that whole situation is. It's a huge storyline. Uh-huh. So do we want to go into some non-OU news, just college football in general? Because there was kind of a big deal story that came out this week. Yeah, I think we should probably at least touch on this um Mm -hmm. so where do we want to start well why don't why don't you start kind of just you know know, making sure you know talk about the brett mcmurphy Mm -hmm. or i guess i can do that you know i guess what day do you remember what day that was well well so this all starts um a little while back um right right when um these allegations were with uh, the so what we're talking about is Urban Meyer and Zach Smith and the domestic abuse allegations and the um, the university and Urban Meyer's handling of those allegations. So um, I guess this starts when that story first breaks a while back and Urban denies knowledge of it um, and then Brett McMurphy um, reports that you know he there's evidence to believe that Urban did have knowledge of it. And then at Big Ten Media Days, uh, McMurphy asks Urban Meyer a question about it, and Urban refuses to answer and gets really defensive and sort of, uh, he says something to the effect of, you know, I can't believe that people would make up stories like that. And then that takes Yeah, he, he, he basically tried to fake news it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty effective for some people. Um, but <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually listened to a, an interview with Brett McMurphy on a podcast and he kind of broke down the situation. Like at that point when he asked those questions, he said that urban Myers answer could not have gone more perfectly for him as a reporter mm-hmm. because he pretty much already had proof that urban Meyer did know. And the fact that he just, flat out denied it multiple times on that day it kind of just he just is like oh i've got i've got him here you know what i mean yeah and so and the thing about brett mcmurphy is that he's currently unemployed <laughs> yeah and so, so he's, he broke this on facebook yeah it's i mean it's a it's it's a fun situation so you know brett mcmurphy um espn essentially announced that they um no longer were interested in his services, um, but they would pay out the remainder of his contract under a no-compete clause. I think from ESPN's point of view, they sort of expected Brett McMurphy to just get, like, hired immediately, and then they would stop paying his contract. They wouldn't have to. Yeah, but I was listening to this thing, and Brett McMurphy was... He did not take his getting laid off from ESPN, you know, like, probably as they hoped he would... You know, he was like, I'm getting every penny that I can get from ESPN. So he has a job that he just hasn't started yet. Yeah. So the no compete goes through August 12th and he's going to start his job on the 13th, which I think is just awesome. Yeah. By Brett McMurphy. So. And meanwhile, um, he's still just doing the things he yeah. would have done at ESPN. He's just posting it to Facebook and making them yeah. have him on as a guest. Yeah, no, like he's played it beautifully. You know, he's pretty mad at the company and he's just making them use him because, I mean, they pretty much just have to, you know, like you can't. He is the reporter on this matter, you know, and it's the biggest story in college football. So, yeah, um, it's a pretty incredible situation from that regard. Um, And so obviously, you know, there's nothing good that happened in the situation. There's domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. There's yet again, you know, major college football coaches and programs not really taking appropriate action on this kind of situation. Yeah. And, you know, like in all other scenarios like this, the coach winds up losing his job, you know, like it's not, it really seems like a win, not if situation right now, I think, or uh, did you read urban Meyer's statement? Um, I, yeah, I remember reading it and being kind of surprised that there wasn't a resignation at the end of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I was getting. And I was like, oh my God, did he, 
is he about to resign in this letter? But he never does. Um, but I've seen some people say that the way he approached it was very much in in the sense he wanted to basically just make sure he gets every bit of money he can from Ohio State when he is inevitably let go. Yeah. You know, I, th- and, I think there has been a lot of people have characterized his actions from the um, from the McMurphy Facebook post dropping to now as I want to get fired without cause and not with. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's going to create about as big an opening in college football as you can have. Like Ohio State, we've talked about this a lot before. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is in the top three of football programs right now in the country, you yeah. know, and Urban Meyer is pretty widely regarded as the second best football coach in the country, you know, like obviously Nick Saban kind of, you know, is number one across the board, but um, Urban Meyer is very highly thought of. And the thing with him is like, you know, he had a lot of problems at Florida, you know, obviously, you know, given, you know, tons of second chances to players and stuff, Mm -hmm. but he had kind of repaired his reputation at Ohio state, you know? Yeah. Like there were a lot of people that, you know, I'd listen to podcasts about people talking about how they admire Urban Meyer for, you know, fixing the problems that he seemingly had at, at Florida at when, after he got the job at Ohio state and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of the crazy thing is, is that I think in their locker room, there is like things that says we have to respect women and just yeah. everywhere, you yeah. know? And that, so, I mean, that kind of thing is, it's just kind of ironic, but, um, you know, not a great situation. Do we want to talk? So, as, as it as it goes, you know, as it applies to OU, um, there have already been articles written about replacements for Urban Meyer when that could happen. Yeah. And one of the more popular names to come about has been Bob Stoops. And I think there's one reason for this. And I think the main the well, I guess a couple. Obviously, Bob Stoops is from Ohio, mm-hmm. so that helps. But I think part of it is the fact that hiring Bob Stoops would be pretty similar to the way they hired Urban Meyer yeah. and that he had <laughs> just kind of retired the year mm-hmm. before and he took a year off and now, and then they hired him, you know, and like, obviously Bob Stoops is about as big, a big a name as you're going to get. Um, and I'm sure Ohio State would love him there, but yeah. Um, so my question for you. Is if Bob Stoops, he's not gonna, he's not gonna coach at Ohio State. It's not gonna happen. If he were to get that job, how do you think he would do? How would he do? Okay. Yeah. This is an interesting question. Then. Um. Jeez. I mean, I think that Bob Stoops is a really good coach. Um. That. The thing that it would come down to is who could he get as his assistants. Um, well, I have an idea for who he might want as his defensive coordinator. Mm, yeah, there's an interesting one. Bo Pelini. Right. Bo, yeah, he would definitely want Bo Pelini. Um, yeah, no, and like, but think about, you know, if you got Mike and Bob Stoops up at Ohio State, like, I don't know. I'm not seeing just a ton of success up there. Like I think yeah. he would do a good job, but I don't I don't think they would win a national championship. You know, because you know, Bob Stoops is not the recruiter Urban Meyer is. Urban Meyer is one of the best recruiters in the country. Yeah. And Bob Stoops is a good recruiter, but it's not something that he loves to do. Yeah. You know, he's not he's just kind of one of those like get who I can get and then I'll just coach him up as much as I can. Urban Meyer is an obsessive freak when it comes to recruiting. Like he has his guys and sometimes he just won't take no for an answer. Like he's obsessive about this kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know, man, I, I, I struggle. I, I don't, I think Harbaugh would be Har- Harbaugh versus Bob Stoops would be kind of a hilarious pairing, you know, in that rivalry. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not going to happen, but it's just something that's been thrown out there as, as something, you know, that they will look into if he, if urban, if, and when urban Meyer loses his job up there. I'm just imagining Bob just being like, I disagree with 
my opponent's stance on chicken. I think it's a good meat, and it's a fighter of a meat, and uh, it's just... <laughs> yeah. No, that's... If you guys haven't heard about Jim Harbaugh's stance on chicken, look it up. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it here because it's just too ridiculous, yeah. but it's it's pretty amazing. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Just Jim Harbaugh is one of the weirdest dudes ever. Like yeah. He's such a weird guy. But anyways, do we want to get to what the purpose of this podcast is? Um, I'm just, I'll say one really quick thing um, about this situation, and then I think we can move on. Um, so my thing about this, and I think something that it's important to keep in perspective about this, is that, so this is now, this is a significant domestic abuse cover-up scandal at Ohio State. Um you had the um, gymnastic sexual abuse scandal at Michigan State, and of course you had the Jerry Sandusky stuff at Penn State. All of this is within the Big Ten, the conference pretty much most notorious for claiming to be above reproach and wanting to do things the right way and focusing on academics and all of that stuff. So if this is happening in the Big Ten that takes that stance towards all these things, just be aware that like college football it's possible is, anywhere yeah yeah college football is a nasty place college athletics are kind of a nasty business um yeah there is some messed up stuff and as fans yeah. as parts of this community we need to be aware of that and work to fight against it wherever it appears yeah for sure like you can't i mean you can't come out and be like wow that would never happen at my play at my school just because you never know yeah. you know you know, like the Big Ten is looked at as the antithesis of the SEC. You know, everybody, it's just opposite world up there. And then these three big scandals come out up there. So yeah. I'm not saying that this is happening at every SEC program, but if it's possible in Big Ten, it's definitely possible where they take football the most serious, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> with that said, do we want to talk about our like let's get to the main course of the podcast let's do it let's do it yeah um so obviously we're in position previews because mm -hmm. we are an ou football podcast and um we had a request for roster breakdown so we're going to come through for you guys with that um so i thought you know last time we did skill positions on offense quarterback receiver running back fullback all that stuff so I figured this week we should get into the trenches and go offensive and defensive line. Um, let's start with the offensive line mm -hmm. um, to kind of close out the offensive side of the ball. Um, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last week because we mentioned the Cody Ford storyline coming out of Oklahoma Media Day. Yeah. And it just seems like that's the direction we're going to go. You know, Cody yeah. Ford's probably your starting left tackle mm -hmm. um, heading, you know, heading into the season. We'll see how he does. I have I have a lot of confidence in Cody Ford. Um, I think I, I saw a quote about Bill Biedenboe talking about how in 2016 at the beginning of that year, you know, Cody Ford broke his leg in the third game of the year. And Bill Biedenboe was talking about how up until that point, Cody Ford had been the best offensive lineman on the team. Mm hmm. And he said, you know, it's taken him a little bit to get back into it, and he's he's had to lose some weight to kind of get shifted out to that tackle position. Yeah. But everything I've heard, seen about him, watching him in the spring game, it looks like it's something that he's definitely going to be able to handle, and it's just a way to get our five best offensive linemen on the field at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, and it means that we can keep Bobby Evans at right tackle, which mm -hmm. is we've I mean, he's amazing there, and it's yeah. really all he's ever played. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Let's go to right tackle because Bobby Evans has that about as locked down as as any position on the team. You know, like yeah. There's he was one. He was I think Bill Biedenboe called him our best offensive lineman last year, even over guys like Orlando Brown and Ben Powers. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's no reason to expect him to be anything but pretty much all American caliber this year, if I'm yeah. being honest. And depending on how he measures, because he's not your prototypical like six six, six seven guy out there at tackle. 
think he's listed at six four, and you know they kind of they will mess with that every now and then. Yeah. You know the heights are not the most reliable things. Yeah. Um, if he measures well though, at, like a pro day at a combine setting, I think I think he's a first round pick. Mm-hmm. You just don't see offensive linemen with that kind of athletic ability yeah, and exactly. strength, like. Yeah. You know, how many times last year would, you know, they run that counter play? That's like our main play on offense. Yeah. And the biggest part of that is you've got uh, Drew Samia and Bobby Evans, two really mobile offensive linemen, pulling and just mm-hmm. trucking people, opening up a hole. You yeah. know, um, he's a, you know, it's it was awesome to watch at times last year. So, I mean, there's no reason to think that that's going to stop at any point this year. Um, I would say depth wise on the offensive line, you know, I, before the Cody Ford situation kind of where he was getting moved out to tackle, I honestly wasn't even that concerned about the position, you know, and he's just added depth to it because, you know, a guy like Adrian Ely, a redshirt freshman, he's the same age as Orlando Brown was when he took over that job. And from a talent perspective, he's probably more talented than Orlando Brown. He's certainly, I mean, he's not as big, but he also doesn't have as much bad weight on him as Orlando Brown did. You know, like a guy like him, I think I would, you know, if it were, had been him as the left tackle, I would felt, I would have felt pretty comfortable with him. So, I mean, it's nice to see that, you know, Bill Biedenboe, he's an unbelievable recruiter. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see the depth building. I will exactly. say one last one last thing with tackles because beyond those guys, like you have know, got your Quinn Mittermeyers, guys that have been around for a long time, yeah, never been able to really get on the field and get a role. But did you see the picture the other day that was like the entire offensive line? Did you see this on Twitter? I didn't. I'm gonna find it. Okay, so if you look at that picture. There is one guy on there that does not look like any of the other guys in that he just looks like a just superior being to all of them. Yeah. And that's Bray Bray Walker. Bray man. Walker. Like yeah. Yeah, true freshman out of Southmore. And like there was like defined muscles on this guy. Yeah. You know, that's not really supposed to happen for a true freshman offensive lineman. You know, yeah. like usually either guys are super thin and they have to add weight or they come in and they've got a lot of bad weight on them that they've got to lose. Yeah. And Bray Walker looks like a dude that could be going into the NFL draft this year, like right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to talk about Bray Walker as like tackle depth. There you go. Mm-hmm. That man, that's really impressive. Yeah, did you find the picture? Uh, I'm still looking for it, but um, oh. did Beatenbow post it on Twitter? This is good content. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I do not remember. But and like, but like, yeah, he's just kind of on his knee, like taking a knee in the picture, and he's, it's just unbelievable, man. He does not look like a true freshman at all it's crazy but um yeah you know i don't think depth's going to be an issue um at all <laughs> on this at the at tackle for mm-hmm. sure and that's probably where we're most thin on the offensive line you know yeah um yeah. So, so let's go let's talk the interior then um because yeah i think this could be interesting um so right guard let's start at right guard um so obviously, Drew Samia is a possibility for this position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but we've got, um, you know, we've got some other names. What, where do you see right guard going? So I mean, uh, yeah, obviously Drew Samia is going to start. You know, we talked about him on that counter plays. Super athletic guy for the inside positions. Um, behind him, I look at a guy like Tyrese Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, lo- I loved him as a recruit. He's got a lot of talent. Um, and then a new guy, uh, Tremonde Moore, who also could factor in as a tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I mean, they've kind of been like, we're going to try him at different places and just see where he goes. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
Tremonda Moore, and if he were to somehow find a role on this team, like I, I don't see how that could be a bad thing because talent-wise, he's second to no one on this offensive line. Yeah, like he's a massive human being, and he's athletic. Like he's a guy; he's got NFL potential. He's just got to put it together, and it's kind of hit or miss with with JUCO guys. You know, he was on the he was at the at the school that Last Chance U was at. This yeah. past year, he didn't didn't feature in the show, but he was on that team, and you know that guy, he just endless potential for him, man. Like I think he's a guy that, if in a year he is overtaken, because I think you've got to give the edge to Tyrese Robinson as being the primary backup, um, mm-hmm. just because he's been in the system longer. But if going into next year, in terms of replacing Drew Samia, if Tremonda Moore has overtaken Tyrese Robinson, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay, yeah. he has tons of ability. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's right guard. Do we want to go left guard now? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, at left guard, um, uh, Ben Powers, obviously, is the name we need to talk about. Um, it's. I mean, it's interesting, um, because uh, with Cody Ford on the outside... Um, there's room for some new names here. So what are you mm-hmm. thinking? Uh, well, first on just Ben Powers. Like yeah. I think last year he was probably our best interior offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of just he just kind of kills people, you know. And <laughs> yeah. he will he tells that's that's his goal. That's what he sets out to do when he gets stepped on the football field. He just wants to hurt people. Um, and that's kind of the mentality you want from an offensive guard. Um, behind him, I look at a guy like Marquise Hayes as the primary backup, mm-hmm. and there it takes a lot for someone to make a guy like Ben Powers look small, but Marquise <laughs> Hayes can do it. Yeah, um, he is unbelievably big, like and <laughs> I think he's listed at six five, like three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. Um, He's he's just so big, man. I remember watching him in the spring game, and I was just like, he's a freaking mountain, you know. And Scott, yeah. there's a guy I loved him in high school. I thought he was going to be a stud, and you know, it seems like he's right on that track. Like, obviously, he's not able to find a uh, like a starting role because we've got, you know, Samia's a four year starter. Ben Powers is going into his third year as a starter. Like. Yeah. Marquise Hayes is starting on a lot of offensive lines in the country if he's not at OU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that's left guard. Now we move on to center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I can't believe that Jonathan Alvarez still plays for this football program, but there he is. On, right, on there this, he is. On this roster. Um, you've also got uh, Creed Humphrey, who's coming out of a redshirt year. Um and so, I don't know. Alvarez has the experience, certainly, and he's been a good center for us. But Creed Humphrey is a huge person. Yeah, so center has been a position that we've been undersized at forever. Like, I think most of the years that I've watched OU football since 2000, we've been undersized at center. Yeah, We've had some really good players there, but they've mostly been undersized. Um, and that's a problem that will, in all likelihood, be. F- I mean, Jonathan Alvarez, if he wins this job, he's not going to be super undersized. He's six three three twelve. Like, he's not an undersized center at all. He's a guy who played on the twenty fifteen offensive line. He started at left guard. Like, he mm-hmm. held up over a full season at guard. He's going to be fine at center. Um, Creed Humphrey is a different animal, though. Like, he is listed at six five three twenty five. And I've seen, I think it was Ben Powers that said the day Creed Humphrey stepped on campus, he was either the first or second strongest offensive lineman on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, he's just a guy that's got natural strength. You know, he's huge yeah. and he's just naturally strong. And there's been a lot of hype surrounding him. And, um, and this is probably the I mean this is the second biggest competition on the team probably behind quarterback you know Um, probably the most competitive Alvarez like you said has the experience and 
that's particularly beneficial at center because they have a pretty large responsibility yeah. um, of calling out signals and all that kind of thing to the rest of the offensive line. So that's something Alvarez might be better at than Creed Humphrey. And if he is, he's probably going to start the year as a starter. Yeah. Um, I wish, I hope very strongly that Creed Humphrey wins this job because I mean, just go through it. If like, let's go through the sizes of the offensive line. If Creed Humphrey's our starter. Yeah. So, Cody so Ford, left tack. Yeah. Cody Ford is listed at six, four, three Mm-hmm. Ben powers is listed at six, four, three 13. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey is listed at six five three twenty five. Drew Samia is six five three hundred and three, and then Bobby Evans is six five three oh one. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and especially if you're looking from the center over to the left side, like that's just three mean run blockers that we're gonna have. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like you've kind of got. The athletic side on the right side with Samia and uh, Evans, and then on the left, it's like you've just got like the mean guys, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that are just gonna hurt yeah. you. Which is, I mean, that's um, great. So I think that's kind of fun. The left, but yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's awesome. But um, and then what's you know, speaking of, I was just looking at the sizes. Bray Walker's listed at six six three thirty eight. You know, like you are. You know, just normal people. And he's not fat at all. Like, it's just normal build for him. Like, yeah. that's nuts oh, as man. a true freshman. But he's going to be my good. goodness. He's going yeah, to be great. Yeah, I'm pumped for him, man. Um, but, yeah, so center, huge competition. I've, the way I kind of see it is usually the senior gets to start the year. And yeah. Alvarez is in his fifth year. He just redshirted last year. I think he's going to start the year at, at center. And then I think at some point during the year, they're going to figure out that Creed Humphrey needs to be on the field and he will kind of win out. And I don't think he'll ever give up that job if he just can get on the field. Yeah. Agreed. I think, um, first off, if Creed Humphrey can win this job, then that's great because it means that he's developed his, like, um, you know, his presence on the field to a point where it's okay to take Alvarez off of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, that I mean, that, that'll just speak really well as to where he is developed mentally and as a leader on that line, which is awesome. Yeah. And just the way I see it is if, if he is named the starter to begin the year, he will have really improved to, um, be able to overtake Alvarez because we've seen Alvarez play and he's not a bad football player. He's no. solid. Yeah. We know what we have with him. And if Alvarez is the, is the starter, you can kind of think, well, uh, Creed Humphrey's just not ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just speaks to, you know, the much higher upside is with Creed Humphrey. Um, so I definitely hope he wins the job. Yeah. All right. Um, we have covered the offensive line. Is there anybody else you were really wanting to talk about? Do you have any really big, um, like, Logan Robertson takes? Uh, I think Logan Robertson's probably close to being off the football team because uh, he wasn't actually in that picture of that was supposed to be the full offensive line. That's oh, one yeah. thing I noticed when I looked at it. Mm-hmm. He's also listed at 6'4", 373 pounds, and if you've ever seen him, that's not like in the Bray Walker way where he looks good. He's probably a freaking balloon out there. So yeah. um, he's probably not long for the football program here, um, which it's not. I mean, the dude, if I don't know how many people remember the recruiting process for him, but he was like a two star recruit mm-hmm. um, from Hera, Oklahoma. And I always he was always just kind of a weird offer and take for me. But mm-hmm. You know, he it was it was a whole weird situation, but and he is pretty his career has gone pretty much how I thought it would go. Sorry, Logan. Um, last right. guy on offensive line, just real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to look at David Swaby or Swaby. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. And the only reason I point him out is because he is six foot nine. And nice. I think that's cool. Yeah. So that's a pretty nice height as an offensive tackle. So, yeah. 
I think we're yeah, that's good. All right, let's move on to the to the other side of the field. Um, our defensive line, and we're gonna. I think we should probably just go with the the hybrid players in this one as well, unless you really want to save them for our back seven defensive preview. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do. Let's do. Let's throw them in. Yeah. All right. All right. So do you want to start? Do you want to start at nose? Let's start at the nose. Let's do it. Um, so obviously, last year, um, we kind of ran a three-man rotation at nose guard that featured Marquise Overton, Devontae Lampkin, and Dylan Famatau. And Lampkin kind of unexpectedly declared for the NFL draft. He was not a fan of the school thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, which uh, did you see? He just signed for the Titans, so I mean, oh, that's cool. Hopefully, hopefully he makes it there. Yeah. So, um, but as a result of losing him, I think something good might have come out of that because we have moved Neville Gallimore off of his defensive end position to the nose guard spot. And I just think this is a much better fit for him as a player. Yeah, we've. Um, I mean, we've talked about how much how much we want Neville to be good, um, and I think that this is a position where he can really shine. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Like I've seen, like Calvin Thibodeau is like unbelievably high on Neville Gallimore's upside. Like, yeah. Like, he literally said he has the talent of a Gerald McCoy, Tommy Harris player. Like, those were words that were spoken <laughs> by him. And he just said it's about him putting it on the field. So Yeah. So, well, yeah. If Neville Gallimore can be as good as Tommy Harris, then I won't say no. No, know? I wouldn't. And I, I'd be a little bit higher on the, uh, the prospects of this year's team if we have Tommy Harris on it. Yeah. I will say, I would like to use this moment as an opportunity to reference back to my very short football career um, in which I played two years of middle school football. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I will say about that experience is me as the freak athlete I was um, in the middle school days, anyone that's played defensive line knows that, the nose guard is the most fun position to play because you don't have to do as much thinking. Mm-hmm. You're like, I think the job's going to be more featured of just kind of go out there and try to mess stuff up in the yeah. middle of the defense, you know? And I think there was a lot of, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities as a defensive end. You've got to sometimes contain, you've got to pass rush. You got to do, you got to stay in your lane. And I think that the nose guard spot is going to be a position for Neville Gallimore to kind of let his physical tools be more showcased. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, so hopefully, you know, I could give Neville, I could give you some pointers <laughs> if you're interested. Yeah. Um, big fan of the play. My, my favorite, my, the best play I ever made as a nose guard and, and one of my football practices, this wasn't even in a game. Um, <laughs> I was super short, still am. Ball was snapped, and I crawled under the center's <laughs> legs and grabbed the quarterback's ankle and tripped him and caused a fumble on the play. So that's pretty much the highlight of my nose guard career. That is the most land shark thing I think I've ever heard. That's yeah. Incredible. No, I mean, so Neville, aim for that. Yeah. Aim for that. Just crawl under the center's legs and grab the quarterback's ankles. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'll sure, be golden. I'm sure that Neville Gallimore will fit between a person's legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so. I think that's a good strategy for him. Yeah. But, um, um, talk, <laughs> but yeah, talking about I, the nose un- position. I'm unreasonably excited that I was able to tell that story on, yeah, on our one. podcast. Um, my middle school football career ended the first day of full pads practice where they, um, <laughs> the coaches got to the point where they're like, all right, everybody line up and just run into each other so you get a sense of what that's like. 
<laughs> and you're I, like, this is not for me. I got a stinger and lost feeling in Ooh. my right arm for like two days and was like, okay, no, Ooh. I'm good. Yep, I'm done. Done. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so <laughs> behind Neville Gallimore, who seemingly has really taken to that position change because they like he's pretty much unanimous, unanim- unanimously mentioned as the starter, mm-hmm. even over a guy who's returning and like Marquise Overton, who was our starter last year. Yeah. Um, you know, he's in his senior year now. Um, although I think he might have a good shot of getting another year back, if I'm being honest. Um, and Overton is just, he's fine is what I would say. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think he's like, I wouldn't call him impactful, but he like, isn't going to kill you, I guess, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I think he made a couple of nice plays against Ohio state last year that kind of stood out, but most of Marquise Overton's career is just kind of like, eh, he's a decent player. He kind of does his job. He doesn't have great physical tools. He's really short. He's listed at 6'1". There's no way. He's actually 6'1". Yeah. He's probably about 5'11", maybe 6 foot, you know, which, you know, low center of gravity, you can work with that. He also wrestles for OU, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not – I'm just, you know – I think Neville Gallimore has much higher potential, is what I will say. Yeah. <laughs> and then D- Dylan Famatow is like maybe my least favorite defensive lineman on the team. So <laughs> I mean, I can't really speak positive. I, I, he's a he's a player on the team. That's what I'll say about Dylan okay. Famatow. That is, no one can besmirch the uh, truth of that statement. Um. All right. So. Let's move then to the position that Neville Gallimore was at last year. Let's do it. Yeah, so he was he's at a defensive end last year. Mm-hmm. And this year, um, we're looking at Amani Bledsoe again. He's a guy he was he was suspended for a few games last year, right? Yeah, I think that yeah, that was definitely the case. And he is a guy that, you know, he's going into his junior year. His freshman year, he played kind of a small role. And then last year, he wasn't ever really able to get into it. You know, he missed a lot of football last year. So mm-hmm. um, coming into his junior year, really high hopes for him. He was at Big 12 Media Days, which kind of would seemingly mean that he's had a good off season. I don't think they would let him go if he didn't. So... Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of what you're – to me, he's kind of the prototype 3-4 defensive end because he's, he's 6'5", 287 pounds, like really yeah. nice length. Like he's a guy that could play multiple positions across this D-line. Like you could probably put him anywhere, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't be out of place physically at all. So I'm pretty excited to see if he can finally put together a season where he's – where he has a true impact because like when he was on the field last year, it was like – He's there, you know, you could see him, but like there were only a few plays you could think back to and be like, yeah, Monty Bledsoe made that play, you know? So yeah, we just need more, we need more impact from these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Monty Bledsoe, um, mm-hmm. you're also looking what? at, okay. Oh, so, sorry, I went, real quick. Um, I do think there's potential because, you know, we all love Mike Stoops, big mm-hmm. fan great guy um he always mentions and talks about the idea of being multiple on our defense yes basically the multiple defenses are base defense which makes no sense but it's fine amani Bledsoe is a guy you're probably going to see lined up as a three tech this year he's going to be a three tech and he's going to be like a four tech whenever we're in a three-man front mm-hmm. or five tech four or five tech um i forget those sometimes um, so he's a guy that's going to bring versatility to that. And then obviously, as, as that alludes to the nose guard, that's going to be there. He's going to be like lined up just straight over the center as like a zero tech, or he's going to be playing the one tech. Yeah. So in a four-man front, that nose guard shifts over a little bit um, just to get just to get a little technical here. <laughs> yeah. So, God, the, and the multiplicity of the – the incredible multiplicity of this defense actually is making it really hard for me to keep straight who 
is where in which slot. Right. Um, especially when we had new people. Like, where is Ronnie Perkins going to be? Like, is yeah, he going to so be... I see... I see him over on the other side from a uh, guy we just talked about, Amani Bledsoe. Sorry, yeah. um, and he's a guy like a little bit further out, kind of a five seven, maybe even seven tech out there, depending on what front we're using. Because again, I, it, I'm as confused as you are. <laughs> um, but you know, Ronnie, per, you know, on the uh, on the opposite end, he's going to probably be backing up Kenneth Mann, yeah. who. Had a pretty nice season last year. As intern, we're talking about we need defensive guys to make plays, and he was kind of one of the few guys that actually did some stuff last year. He forced that Absolutely. fumble against OSU. Mm-hmm. He had, I think, he had six and a half sacks last year, like, or he yeah. had five sacks. Sorry, he had five sacks last year, which for that defense was really, really impactful compared to everyone else. So, yeah. Um, I think in a guy, he's, you know, he's finally taking over as a starter. I think you should have been playing on a little bit more last year because he certainly had, he had more impact plays than DJ Ward last year. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I see him and and Ronnie Perkins kind of manning the other defensive end spot, and that's a spot that's going to be, you know, they're going to be asked to do a bit more pass rushing than the other side of the ball. I yeah. think so. And they're, I mean, they're more athletic. They're also smaller. I, I mentioned, you know, Bledsoe being up to 87. Kenneth Mann's listed at 6'3", 264. And Ronnie Perkins is 6'3", 254. Another guy that uh, factors into this position, Isaiah Thomas, who I've been pretty high on on previous podcasts. I've talked a lot about him before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 6'5", 254. So, like, guys that are definitely... I look at these guys as kind of being like hybrid four three three four defensive ends, yeah. Um, which would seemingly fit what you like because if we want to be multiple, you want guys that can do multiple things. So yep. <laughs> if they can hold up in the run game, like against big teams, like let's say a Georgia or Alabama, then they can really work. Um, and I think they have the potential to be pretty impactful against like smaller. Big Twelve teams, so we'll have to see how that goes. I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not super confident in any of this stuff because we just haven't seen impactful football from our defensive line in years. Yeah, um, and God, trying to the other thing about putting this all out positionally is that like last year we just sort of lied about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, because they said yeah we're going to be in a four man front, so we were like oh cool. We know where guys fit in that, and then it just turns. Yeah. Out, no, we're not doing four man front stuff. No, it's, it's we're multiple. We're multiple. God. Yeah. Um, positionless defense. It's really incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike's an innovator. We've talked about yeah. this. He's Mike Stoops. It's you know it's Mike Stoops, Brad Stevens, and <laughs> <laughs> he's going to develop big time just switchable defense. Just everyone. He's going to have everyone being the same size. Yeah. We're moving towards this. Yeah. You know. Course, we want point, length probably, and athleticism yeah. everywhere. We'd probably have to trade Isaiah Thomas, though, if that was the case. That's true. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah. A so, couple more guys, I guess. Uh, yeah. Over at, this is kind of shifting back to the Imani Bloodso position. Yeah. Um, I think his primary backup is probably going to be Tyrese Lott, mm-hmm. um, a sophomore from Ardmore. And, you know, he's drawn some pretty high praise. Like, he's changed his body over the last year. He's up to 301. Like, this dude came in and, like, he just didn't look like a big-time athlete to me. Like, he yeah. looked kind of, like, kind of, like, he just looked like he had a soft body. You know, like, he came in, he was probably, like, 265 or something. And he's put on a lot of weight. And I've kind of seen him walking around just, you know, in passing. And you're like, man, that dude's big. So... <laughs> He's yeah. he's changed he's changed his body a lot so I I think he's actually going to have a pretty good year as the backup as the primary backup to Bledsoe um, and honestly he'd be one of the biggest surprises to me because I remember when we offered and signed him I was like I do not on, understand yeah. yeah yeah I was like I don't understand how this guy got an offer from us but yeah. that's why I'm got, not a football coach yeah then he got nothing but praise all last offseason and yep yep uh, so. um. We'll see how he does going into his sophomore year. Yeah. Um, 
cheese. I guess incoming freshman Ron Tatum, I guess, is... Oh, yeah. So there's three pretty notable incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ron Tatum, listed at 6'5", 270. And I am thinking it is likely that that 270 is not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Tatum did not get to OU until July. He missed a pretty significant portion of off-season training. Um, he had to finish up. He had to do a class or something in high school. But I saw him walking with another guy we'll mention later, and he was he was bigger. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw him walking with Jordan Kelly, who's listed at 6'3", 297. Mm-hmm. And there was like, I mean, obviously Tatum was taller, but he was also just as thick, man. Like, he is probably closer to 290 than he is 270, I would guess. Yeah. Like, he is an unbelievably big guy. Like, I think he's probably bigger than Amani Bledsoe, and Bledsoe's in his third year. Yeah. You know, like, he's <laughs> huge. He's unbelievable. Like, yeah. unbelievable. He is, like, the perfect size. He's a really, really good athlete, too. As far as upside goes, I think he might have the most upside on this entire defensive line. But, I mean, I don't know if he's actually going to get on the field this year. But he has all the tools that you need to be a guy that can really actually flourish, not just survive in a multiple front defense. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, Mention Jordan Kelly real quick Mm -hmm. from Union. There's been some, like, pretty high praise for him just kind of – on like in the message board world, you know, like, I don't know. It usually doesn't mean anything, but um, he's a guy that got offered pretty early as, you know, I think he got, he got offered before senior year for sure. So coaches were reasonably high on him and Mm -hmm. he's a pretty big kid, you know, like listed at six, three, two 97 as a true freshman. That's, you know, he's got a lot of room to grow there too. And then last guy, Michael Thompson, we will not be seeing him on the football field this year because he tore his ACL in like his second workout, which is really that's rough, annoying. Yeah. Um, and everything I said about Ron Tatum being big, he's even bigger. <laughs> he's a, he's a true nose guard, listed at six five, three hundred thirty six pounds. Like he's yeah. massive. He is freaking massive. So I'm ex- I'll be excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah. All right. So, do we want to move on then to our hybrid guys? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So we had we talked last week that Jalen Redmond's going to be out for the season with some blood clot issues. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because, by yeah. all accounts, he is like he is impossible to describe physically. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's he's 19 feet tall and he weighs 10 million pounds. <laughs> he's listed at six three two sixty five. Like, and he's at that like hybrid position, which is basically a linebacker spot. Like we've he's bigger than Kenneth Mann, and he's playing like a hybrid linebacker spot. Like that's yeah. crazy. That's insane. So, it's gonna be a real it's a real shame that we won't get to see him this year because. There is there was a non-zero chance that he could have potentially started at this position. Um, yeah. But um, so with him out of the picture, we've got Mark Jackson, obviously the most experienced player left at this position now that Oboe's gone. Yeah, and he's a guy like pretty similar physically to Oboe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's listed at six one two thirty nine. I think that's like basically the same as what oboe was you know and i think play style wise you're looking at a guy that's pretty similar he's probably not quite as gifted a pass rusher as oboe was yeah um, but he's gonna look to use his speed and athleticism to actually get to the quarterback yeah definitely a guy that's been underutilized like if mike stoops were better at his job mark jackson would have been playing quite a bit on like third down rushing packages mm-hmm. um but that just hasn't been a strength of Mike so far. Yeah. <laughs> so, quick digression about Mike Stoops. Did you see okay. the um, Did you see the Athlon Sports um, like anonymous quotes from Big Twelve coaches thing? 
No, I didn't. Well, um, some of the one one of the ones about from about Oklahoma was talking about uh, like how they think that Kyler Murray um, doesn't have the passing ability that Baker Mayfield has, which I'm shocked. How could this be? Um, but then another one was a coach saying that like I mean. Lincoln's in a really tough spot with Mike because, you know, his brother got him this position, but we just don't, th- like, and this is a, this is a different coach out at, at another school in the same conference saying this about Mike Stoops, that he's just, they just don't think that he has it, that they think that fundamentally the defense, his defenses aren't that impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty eye-opening because, you know, a lot of times you'll see a guy, even when a coach is struggling, other coaches, they kind of get it. They yeah. kind of know what coaches are going through, so they're kind of more complimentary maybe even than they should be. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I think that's a huge indictment. Yeah, I mean, you saw a lot of that um, in this when the bits about Kansas. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, there was that was a pretty harsh diss of Mike, and that was coming from another coach in this conference. So, yeah, that's rough. That's rough, man. Um, <laughs> let's let's move on. We've got a couple more guys at this position uh, yeah. because it's actually a pretty deep position in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. Like next to no experience here, but there's a lot of talent. Yeah, um, a guy that I think is probably competing the most with Mark Jackson to start is Addison gums. Yeah. And he's, pre- he's a lot bigger. He's six, three, 253 pounds. Um, he's a guy that could easily make it as kind of a four, three defensive end type. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. And like having like, just watch this guy on the field. Like he's a guy, he probably has a plus wingspan. I would say, you know, he's yeah. kind of got, you know, <sighs> not a basketball player's body because, you know, he's 250, but he's, he's got long arms. He's got some measurables that just Mark Jackson can't match, you know, like he's not quite as explosive probably just in terms of like a first step as Mark Jackson, but Mm -hmm. he's got some things Mark Jackson just can't match in terms of physical tools. Yeah. Uh, Addison gums, you know, he's in his sophomore year at this point. His freshman year, he really didn't see the field very much because of yeah. Mike's total dedication to only having one of these guys on the field at a time. But yeah, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty unfortunate that they didn't have that four game redshirt rule because Addison Guns would have fit in there pretty nicely. Yeah, um, and he would have. I mean, he would have at least still gotten to play. Like he played in four games. Like that's it. So it's pretty unfortunate that 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 rule had didn't take effect till this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that did actually get to redshirt last year, Jakari Daly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, he's 6'2", 254 pounds. So both of these guys are quite a bit bigger than Mark Jackson. Um, and, you know, Jakari Daly, I mean, seeing him, I think, did Nathan mention this on last week's podcast about how, like, this guy just looks like a guy who would be starting for Georgia or something? Yeah. yeah. Because... He absolutely does. You know, it's a guy from Florida, and he's he's got the physical tools to be a, a really impactful guy. Yeah, but um, so in terms of depth, that position's pretty good. Missing Jalen Redmond sucks because he would have been really good potentially. But yeah, um, those three guys are nothing to sneeze at. Um, huh? No. They'll. Again, we're working on replacing Oboe, who was one of the most skilled pass rushers we have had in years. Right. Um, yeah, and Oboe, like, it's kind of hard to think. Like, he was, I feel like he was pretty severely mismanaged last year. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, if you would have just taken him off the field sometimes. Yeah. I mean, let was, other guys do their thing. Oh. I don't think I've ever seen a player as exhausted as he was at the end of the Texas game. Like, yeah, I agree. I um, that was I. To me, that's one of the standout performances of the year, just because of how clearly spent he was by the end of it. Yeah, and by the end of the year, he was pretty much doing that every week. Like yeah. it was just, and it was just mismanagement. They acted like they had no one else that could do his job. For we're talking maybe you know 
get him off the field for 10 plays, you yeah. know, like let Mark Jackson play 10 more snaps and you've got a fresher Oboe. Oboe was dead by the end of last year. He didn't produce hardly anything in the last three games of the year because he was spent and yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know. It's because it's so hard to figure out what Mike is going to do. Um, because it's yeah. so frequently not the logical thing. Um, but maybe having these three guys who are more um, closer together in terms of ability will yeah. like it'll force his hand and he'll have to rotate them more and that'll keep them all more fresh. Yeah, and as a result of that, I could legitimately I could see this position being more productive this year than it was last year with Oboe. Mm-hmm. Just because you're going to have, I mean, I think at least you're going to have two guys rotating. I'm not sure about daily get, actually getting meaningful snaps, but I think Gums and Jackson are both going to play a lot. Yeah. And that might wind up being better for the position overall, even if neither of them are as good as Oboe. Yeah. Um, so do we have anything else to say about these lines? I don't think so, man. I was looking through some other players and just. Um, there's no one else that's really notable. Anyone we didn't mention is probably just never going to factor in. So um, no offense, Arthur McGinnis or Troy James, but um, I'm just not seeing it with either one of them (laughs) in terms of them getting on the field. So, (laughs) Which is a shame. Do you think that'll hurt our recruiting in Louisiana? I don't know, man. Probably not. Probably not. It's kind of miraculous that we're that anybody is able to recruit from Louisiana in the first place. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, <well>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that's about gonna do it. Do we want to say anything else? No, I think. I mean, next week I'm looking forward to, or I guess next time we pot it might not even doesn't have to be a week because we missed kind of a week in between these last two. Yeah, um, we get to talk about linebackers and secondary play. So, um, I'm pretty excited about that one because there's a lot of different ways those could go. Yeah, and we get to, man, we get to talk about that picture of Caleb Kelly. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's uh, exciting, man. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that we are going to bring the podcast to a close now. Um, so, thanks so much for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, you can follow the podcast at Oklahoma underscore Drill. Follow us individually at Alex P. Purdy and at RW Maxie. Um, and we'll see you next time when we're talking linebackers and defensive backs. <laughs>